Pastor Jeff over the past several years and just, you know, make connections, make relationships, and uh, make friends. You know what I mean? And uh, it's really cool um, because as I was reflecting on today's message in which I'm going to be preaching from, in the book of Ephesians, if you don't have a Bible, I know there's some here, and um, I do preach um, from the um, ESV translation. Um, but as I was reflecting on that, you know, this morning, the message for this morning is like, that's exactly what God has done. You know, uh, the, the cross of Christ and saving my life from, from uh, you know, grip of Satan and uh, then just doing a work in my life. And then all of a sudden, you know, together being able to make connections with people I probably would have never even met with or hung out with ever in my life just because, you know, I... I didn't have that kind of passion at one time, but it's all because of what Christ has done. So just a little bit about myself. Um, I got say, I'm going to share my testimony a little bit later, but just so you guys can understand, I was a pastor on staff at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa since about 2004. I got saved in 2000, and um, I got a ordained as a pastor at the end of 04, the end of, uh, beginning of 2005 at Calvary Chapel. And served there doing outreach ministry and, and just grew and learned. Uh, went to Bible college and a couple other seminary classes and, you know, just fell in love with the Word of God. And I had no clue I was going to be um, seeking, uh, like, education in the sense of, like, Christian education. But I was just hungry and, and had a desire for that. I know that some of you probably have that same thing. And, um, well, little did I know that God was just going to be able to, you know, or, or would uh, allow me to make relationships with people, and also the, here in the city of Santa Ana, which I started doing a lot of uh, focus and outreach, and um, fast forward to 2014, all those years just serving in the city of Santa Ana, doing a whole bunch of things, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, God just impressed. God opened up the doors. I was encouraged. It wasn't even my idea to plant a church. Yeah, hey, Tommy, you should plant a church. That's what I was saying. I said, I know, huh? And then that was it. I just said, I know how. And, and then, yeah, we planted the church. You really knew nothing of, you know, I, it, was, it, was, um, it was a fun. It still is a fun journey. Um, but again, I'm just very excited to be here with you guys. And again, I'm going to be preaching from the book of Ephesians in chapter number two. Um, so let me pray as we get into this time. God, we love you. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that we as your people can gather on a Sunday morning together in this place uh, and we pray, Father, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that there would be uh, just a, a radical move of your Holy Spirit. Open the ears, not just on the sides of our head, but God, open the ears of our hearts that we might hear your voice that we might hear and sense your heart, Lord, and be filled with your love, your power, and your spirit so that we might be equipped together to go out and share a message, the message of the cross, the message of the gospel of Jesus, Lord. And God, we just pray for all the other ministries and churches that are being faithful to your word right now. We pray that you, God, would bless them, bless their efforts, and we pray for a radical spiritual awakening that would take place, Lord, uh, and a revival amongst your people. So, Father, we love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, um, being out in the, the neighborhoods and the communities over the past several years, you know, you get a sense of, of what people are actually 
desiring in their life. You get an understanding of that, of what people are looking for, especially for, for people that are uh, young people. And I say young people because I do a lot of ministry out in the high schools and junior highs and, and stuff like that here in the city of Santa Ana. And what I have found is that many what people are looking for, and I'm sure that every single one of us here in this room can say, yes, that's exactly what I was searching for. And people are really just looking to be accepted. They're, they're, they're looking for a sense of belonging and even a, a desire to be celebrated in their life. You know, some affirmation and some celebration. And, and these are some of the things that people are looking for. And with the programs such as Release Time Christian Education, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or familiar with it, but Release Time Christian Education is a ministry that we get to be a part of here in Santa Ana. I've been able to lead it for almost 20 years, um, and it's a ministry to public schools, and we take the Bible the word of God into the elementary schools all around, right down the street, Garfield Elementary. We've been there for almost 20 years and just sharing the gospel there to a bunch of kids, you know, um, what we found, or what I see, is that the gospel of Jesus, the word of God, you know, in our programs, when we're bringing that word, the kids flock to it. And, and this is something that we stay, we, we stay centered on, because I believe, and we believe, that's the word of God. And, you know, uh, the gospel, it is going to always be our foundation because that's what changes people's lives. And that's where people begin to understand that I am accepted by God, right? I can have a sense of belonging, a, a sense of togetherness with the family of God because of what God has done. And then also the opportunity to be celebrated. You know, God celebrates, listen, Christians, check this out. God celebrates you. You know what I mean? God, like, God is happy over us. Isn't that amazing? You know, and I don't know if, about you. When I think of that and I meditate on that, like, God, God finds joy in me. I was like, man, but Lord, I'm pretty jacked up. And he's like, I know, <laughs> but my grace covers all that, you know, and you're still my child. Amen. And, and that's, you know, that, and I know that brings joy for me, and I know that, that when, I, when I share this message and, and we, we talk about these things amongst people in our communities and our neighborhoods, again, especially with young people, this is the, the response often. You know, man, there's so many great testimonies of what the Lord has done. And here in Ephesians, guys, and, and this last half of chapter number two, Paul, the apostle who's writing this, he's writing to the church there, and he's wanting them really to reflect. You're going to see this in verses 11 and number 12. He uses the word remember. Remember, you know, it's like, remember, you know, it's like, we can all remember. Remember when you were? He said, we all remember, you know? And, and so he really wants them to reflect on where they once were, you know, and who they were, and, you know, before the cross of Jesus Christ, and wanting them to understand who they are then after, because, all because of the cross of Christ. You guys, and again, listen, the cross of Christ, what Jesus has done for all of us is central, amen? It is central, that's key for everything about my life, and for us as Christians, it's like, it always goes back to what Jesus did. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for what Jesus did. We wouldn't be here together if it wasn't for what Jesus did. It goes all back to what Jesus has done there on the cross. And this is what Paul, he's really wanting to stress to them. Remember who you were. Now know who you are now. All because of the, Christ, or of the cross of Christ. 
right? And many, <laughs> and who they were, who they were and before the cross. And, you know, they were, they wanted them to, Paul wants them to understand. And remember, Ephesians, Ephesus, this is a Gentile church, okay? And, and so he wants them to really reflect on that, that remember, you were detached, you were marginalized, right? In other words, you know, lost and empty. And how many of us can say, man, that's exactly who I was or where I was before Jesus? Maybe you had a sense of being marginalized, right? Maybe you had, maybe you had a sense of being lost and empty, right? Or, you know, you felt alienated for whatever reason and until Jesus Right? And my prayer for us this morning as we go through this message is to encourage, is for this, get encouragement from the Holy Spirit, from God's Spirit, and that we would be able to draw application that we, together, the body of Christ, can stay on the gospel mission to advance the kingdom of God. That's what, we're, what it's all about. Amen. Let me read verse number 11, chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read all the way through verse number 22, and this is what it says. Again, I'm reading from the ESV translation. It says, therefore, remember. See, there's a, there it is right there. Remember. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Notice he said, man, these guys were lying, no hope. But if you have a pen, please circle verse number 13. But now, especially those words, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Us, he made us both one. He brought us together, right? Amen. Yes. Good looking out right here. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed, verse 15, an ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Verse number 15 is very important right there. And might reconcile, verse 16, us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, peace to those who were near. For, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom... The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The title of this morning's message is Together. 
All right. See, that's on cue right there, man. I love it. All right. So there's a few things that we're going to be taking a look at here through these verses of verses number 11 through number 22. And the first thing I want to point out and draw our attention to is the cross of, G- of Jesus brings us together. The cross of Jesus. That's what God's cross does. Paul reminds the Gentile believers how they were alienated, marginalized from God and from God's people. Not just marginalized from God, but also from God's people, right? Like a double whammy right here. He's reminding them that. And he reminds them by bringing up the whole thing of circumcision, right? Circumcision was, guys, and we all probably, you might understand this, circumcision was an outward sign of the membership of the covenant of God that God made with Abraham. You can read all about that in Genesis in chapter number 17. When God said, this is going to be the sign that your people will be my people, right? Uh, the, the cutting away of the flesh, circumcision. And this term here, it, came, it also came along with, with kind of a sting at some point. And, uh, you know, remember um, in, in, in 1 Samuel in chapter number 17, uh, King David, before he was king, he was a young guy, and remember the giant Goliath, and David gets there, and, and David's like, you know, what's up with this knucklehead out here, right? And, but he didn't say knucklehead. He said, hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You see, so this term, uncircumcised, became like a term with a sting to it, right? And, and so this was, and so here Paul is saying, hey, you guys were referred to as the uncircumcised by the circumcised, so there was this alienation. There was a division, right? There was, uh, there, people were being marginalized. And this outward sign of circumcision resulted in that, the, the, the division and alienation. You know, and the, in Romans, in chapter number two, the apostle Paul talks about, you know, that it's, not the, it's, nothing, uh, it's not the outward. It's not an outward thing. It's an inward thing of the Holy Spirit. The cir- Paul refers to it as the circumcision of the heart. You guys are familiar with that? It's the circumcision of the heart. And this is something that only the God, the Holy Spirit does. And, and it's really working in our hearts. You know, and, and God desires for our hearts to be hearts of flesh, not, of hearts, not a heart of stone. Right, And so this is what Paul, he, he's bringing this together, and he's talking about what God can do. Paul reminds them that they were people without hope. And, and just focus on that for a second. They were people without hope. See, sometimes we can read through the scriptures more of in a historical sense and say, oh, yeah, they were people without hope. But what about you? What about us? You know, God's, we believe that God's word is relevant for us here today. That they were people without hope. And many of us were people without hope at one point. And maybe you came into this building today and just questioning, you know, this, the, the reality of God's eternal hope, of God's purpose upon your life. Pastor Chuck Smith, my pastor of, uh, there at uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, he said this. He said, the most saddest and tragic picture of man is to be without Christ without God, and without hope. And you know, when you think of that, I know when I think of that personally, it's like, man, you know, that's so true. That's the saddest picture of mankind is to be without God, without Christ, and without hope. Guys, listen, that's, that, that's where I was before Jesus. You know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. 
I, I didn't grow up you know, reading the Bible or anything like that. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I grew up in, in southeast Los Angeles County in a little city called Artesia. And um, right there was right in the middle of this, in the neighborhood, a neighborhood called Chivas. And um, this, that's where I grew up. And, and what, you know, there was alcohol, there was drugs around. And, you know, I was at the age of seven years old, I was sexually molested by, by a neighbor. And I, I understand what it's like to be without hope. My dad was around, but he kind of, he was crazy. <laughs> and, and he was verbally abusive at times. And my parents had got divorced and uh, the streets were there. And what I saw outwardly, you know, was like acceptance out on the streets. I, I saw that I can have a sense of belonging out on the streets from a young age. And that's where I gravitate, gravitated towards. You know, I had a lot of secrets. I had a lot of pain. I, I had a lot of stuff on the inside that I was hiding. You know, when that happened to me at seven years old, I wanted nothing more than for my dad to have a sense of love for my dad and protection. But from an early age, I remember I couldn't go to my dad because my dad, he would always tell me that if I were to cry, that he was going to put a dress on me. And, you know, for a little boy, man, that's, that was serious. I didn't want to wear no dress. So I wasn't going to tell my dad anything, you know? And so I was fearful to tell anything to him. So I kept this secret. By the time I was 13 years old, I started doing drugs, you know, and by the time I was 16 years old, and now this like in the mid-80s, and there was drugs and cocaine, and we quickly discovered that we can sell cocaine on the streets, and I, came, I became addicted to cocaine, addicted to drugs. I met my girlfriend, who I'm still married to today. That's, that's a miracle right there in itself, man. That's crazy. Almost going to be 32 years of marriage in, February, in this next February. That's awesome. That's the miracle from God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But um, we met in the high school. You know, I wasn't even going to high school no longer, and she was going to high school, and, and she was a senior in high school when we got married. I was, you know, running on the streets, gangs, drugs, all that stuff, and six months after we got married, I started going in and out of the L.A. County Jail. I ended up spending about six years in prison, um, being affiliated not, not only with just the streets, but also with gangs in the prisons and all that stuff. And it was in the middle of that time when my wife started going to church because she didn't grow up in church. Our marriage was crazy, you know, and, and she tried to kill me multiple times. You know, uh, I, I know I'm not joking. She literally tried to kill me. Um, I probably deserved it, <laughs> you know, um, but it was, it was bad. It was very, it was just one of those stories, those, those, those heartfelt just, man, sad stories. And that's, that was our direction. I had no hope. We had no Jesus. We had no God. We had no hope in our life. My wife, when I was in prison in 1996, she started going to church because she was invited by a family member that had got, recently got saved. She starts, she gets saved. She, she comes to visit me and she says, Tommy, I want you to know. And I just imagine me, bald head, mustache, you know, I'll try to be all gangster. What's up, eh? You know, <laughs> that was me. I'm serious, man. And, and then, you know, she's there in the visiting right there in, 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 uh, in Corcoran State Prison. And she tells me, I want you to know everything that you've done to me. Everything that you've done, I forgive you. And I was like, oh, man, she's lying because she didn't forgive nobody for nothing. I know my wife. She never forget. Nah. I said, you don't forgive what's going on, what's really happening, you know? And she's just telling me she went to church and she's been forgiven by God. She forgives me. She loves me. She's praying for me. I was like, oh, man, you're crazier than I thought. 
I parole from prison, uh, four years later, I parole from prison in 2000. January 18th of 2000, I parole from prison. I hit the gate, and I wasn't saved. I didn't know God and nothing like that. My wife was going to church, going to church, and I'm out, fresh out of prison. I start, boom, just like that. I'm selling drugs. I'm out on the streets. I'm getting high. Within an hour of me being home, I'm already slamming dope. I'm getting high with my homies and all this and that. And she just kept, I'm praying for you. And I remember, man. This is real. Like, she's, she's serious about all this, right? Six months goes by. See, for many years, I, I used drugs, and I, I went to the street life, and I went to this life where I felt I was accepted, and I felt like I belonged because it, it, it helped with pain. It helped with this sense of emptiness and loss. Because I really believe it was because she was praying, all those things wasn't working. God was answering her prayers. And, and I remember, I just like, man, something had happened. It was on June 11th. Actually, it was June 10th. I, I was, she was mad at me, and, and I said, man, okay, well, don't be mad. If, you, if I go to your church, will you still be mad? She's like, well, no, let's go to church then tomorrow morning. I said, all right, I'll go to your church. Just don't, you know, leave me alone, you know, kind of. Let's not fight no more, whatever. I just wanted her to, you know, be quiet. And so we get up in the morning. I'm like, all right, go to church, man. All right. And my plan was I'm going to go to church. There was a liquor store down the street. I know where she went to church. I'm going to buy a 40-ouncer. I'm going to drink that 40. I'll go to that church. Okay, whatever. And we leave, and then, you know, everything will be good. Well, here's the, my, my plan, right? God has a better plan. I didn't go to that liquor store. I walked in that little church. It was a church about this size. Sat in the very back. Mad-dogging everybody because everybody's coming. Hey, how are you doing? Smiling. I said, stop lying. You know what I mean? Fakers, you know, you don't even know me, you know. That's, that, was, that was my mentality. And then the pastor started preaching. And this message of love, no matter what you've done in life. I remember the, what the pastor said. I don't remember the message, but I remember the, a few things. No matter what you've done in life, no matter what's happened to you in life, God loves you. When the pastor said that, it was like my heart just was breaking and I was in this seat, and I was like, man, God, is, like, is this real? Like, what's happening? I thought my wife went and told the pastor everything that I've been going through. Like, man, did you tell him everything that I was going through? Because it was like being prophetical in a sense. And at the end of the match, I just couldn't help it. And, and there was an invitation to receive Christ, and I said yes to Jesus. And I got saved on that day. I said, God, help me. God, save me. I remember I just kept on crying and said, God, I'm sorry. And it was on that day, hope was restored in my life. It was on that day, my hope was dead, but hope came alive in my life that day, all because of the gospel message. I was without hope. That's what God's done in my life. And, and, and maybe you can identify with that as well, being without hope. And here Paul, the apostle, is saying to the Ephesians here in this first point, I'm still at, don't worry, we're going to move on, I promise. Paul is wanting them to remember, you were without hope. You had nothing. Nada. Empty. Marginalized. And, and because of that marginalization, you were even being ridiculed. And you were segregated from the people of God. Remember that? But, look at verse number 13. I hope you circled it right there. But now. All right. You know, these, these contrasts in the Bible, you also see that in verse number four of, of, uh, of chapter two in Ephesians, but God. You know, the but God and the but now, they're like parallels right here. 
And here he's saying, but now, because of what Christ has done, but now in Christ, you who once were far off, right? You, it's like, I, for, me, for me to personalize this, like you who were once jacked up and lost and empty and all this other stuff have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, because of what Jesus did, we are close. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ does, guys. The cross of Christ breaks barriers. The cross of Jesus Christ breaks these walls of segregation. They're in the temple court. Uh, and see, the, 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 the Ephesians, would this would resonate with them because they're in the temple courts. They had the walls, you know, and they, they had, and outside these particular walls was the Gentile court. And so the cross of Jesus Christ has demolished that. But now, the words but now, these words speak of the gracious, gracious intervention of God on behalf of the alienated, the marginalized, and detached, lost, and empty, and the hopeless. But now, it speaks to the gracious intervention of God. Think of that just for you to personalize that. The gracious intervention of God right there. Knowing the power of the cross keeps us on mission for the cross. Knowing the power of the cross in your own personal life ought to keep you on mission for the purpose of the cross. Amen? The cross of Jesus Christ. And this, secondly, as we move forward in verses 14 through 18, what we see and what I find here, the cross of Jesus brings us together as one family. Brings us together as one family. I often think of the church, God's people, as the family of God. So there's a big church, right? Big C, right? We are God's people. So I'm so grateful I can be here with you guys. It's like, man, it's like, you know, the family of God. Here we are. It's like I'm at my cousin's house, you know? It's like, hey, what's up, you know? And, and, but we also have our local families, Right? Our local family of God, I always think and picture the church God's, as a family of God. And we all understand what families are like, right? Some of us come from crazy families. Some of you might say, you know what, well, I don't have no crazy people in my family. If you think that, then you're the crazy person. I'm just telling you right now. What's special about family is that there's always a sense of, of peace and accessibility, right? With, with family, there's always a sense of peace, and I'm at my family's house. Oh, okay. Peace. And there's always excess. You know, I go to my Nina's house, or I go to my cousin's house, or a family member's house. I can go to the fridge. I don't have to ask. You know, I just go, hey, Nina, what do you have in here? I look in there, you know what I mean? There's nothing, you know, whatever. <laughs> there's always a big, giant pot of, frijol, of beans right there. Right, that's it. There's always a big pot of beans, though. That's right, give me some tortillas, that's it, you know? When I go to my neighbor's house, you know, I know my neighbors and everything, but you know, imagine what they would do. I say, hey, what's up, neighbor? You know, I go into their fridge, you're like, oh, what's he doing here? Get him out, right? See, a family, there's a sense of peace and accessibility. And then and again, though, this wall of separation that I mentioned there in the temple courts, it would truly resonate there with the Ephesians, 
because they saw these walls. They were really walls of hostility. And here, the apostle Paul, he, he, uh, he brings this out. He says in verse number 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one, and watch this, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility. And also there in verse number 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. See, and there was that division, that divisiveness of these barriers, of these walls. And that's what the cross of Christ, it breaks down. And, but you know what I, what's wonderful about the cross of Jesus, guys, is check it out, check it out, watch this. The cross of Jesus just only doesn't break down the barriers, but it provides a bridge. You know, the cross of Jesus doesn't go and demolish barriers and leave it just like that. It's like demolish the barriers, but provides a bridge. And that's what Jesus does. This is the effort that I know and that I know that cross of grace, Hope Alive Church, and many other churches have in the city of Santa Ana. This is the effort that we have together. Cross of Grace, Hope Alive Church, and a handful of other churches here in our community. We want to build bridges, not just amongst one another as church, as churches, right, and as ministers and as church families, but there's a purpose. We know that, man, there's, there's power in the cross, and so together can we build more bridges into our community to bring the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's mission-minded, amen? That's being winsome. We want to say, man, we want to see people come to faith because we know how lost people can be. I know. I remember. You remember? Paul was telling the Ephesians, you remember. But now look what God has done. See, the cross of Christ brings us together as a family. We believe in the power of the cross to break down all the barriers of sin as local church families and, and, and in, re, in return, our desires to be bridge builders. Paul describes this. This is why I love verse number 15. I hope you underlined or just check it out with me because Paul describes this, this new unity, this, this, uh, this newness, this, the barriers being being done away with, and the cross bringing us together, united as one. He describes it as a new man, a new humanity, if you will. Check it out. Look, that's what verse number 15 is all about. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, watch this, here it is, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. Getting rid of the old and bringing on the, isn't that, isn't that what, what God does? He gets rid of the old and brings the new. God's all, God's into new things. He puts a new song in our heart. He, he says, you are a new creation in Christ. He's into new. And now, and God says, hey, and the church, God's people, a new humanity, a new, really, that's the idea of that word there is being a new humanity. The Christian community is the church. Humanity that a, huma, a new humanity that has been awakened and saved by God and focused and, and fused, excuse me, and fused and come. We're, we're together, we're fused together because of the cross of Christ. Fused together to be one, not separate, but to be one. Together, 
we have peace and access to God. Remember what, he, what, what the writer says in the book of Hebrews in chapter number four and verse number 16? He says this, Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some translations say, let us come boldly. The idea is that let's, let's come confidently. We have the accessibility to go to God and we can do this together. We don't have to be fearful. Brings us here, Jesus brings us together. The cross of Christ brings us together as one family. In verses 19 through 22, we are joined together by the cross and built together for a purpose. So here's our purpose. All right, cool. We're all one, right? The cross of Christ brings us as one, brings us as a family. And as one and as a family, we're all together being built up in the same message the message of the gospel, the truth of God's word. And this is why I, I know at Hope Alive Church and I believe here at Sovereign Grace, excuse me, Cross of Grace, is the, the, the passion is on the word of God. We need to be built up in his word. You know, we just need to. And then, because when we're built up in his word, when we know, it's just, then it's like, man, we understand our purpose. Not just as an individual, but collectively, Collectively, and I think here locally in our, here in our community of Santa Ana, it's like we're understanding our purpose. It's to, well, it doesn't change around the world, man. Number one purpose, go out and make disciples of all the people, right? That's what we're to do. Together, because of the cross of Jesus, we're no longer alienated. We're no longer marginalized, but we are citizens, guys. We are citizens of his kingdom. That's amazing. We're no longer lost, man. We're citizens of the, we belong to Jesus. Praise God. I don't know about you, but when I wake up and I reflect on that, it's like, man, I might be bummed out. I might be like, oh, man, it's, you know, it's a bad day, whatever. But then it's like, wait a minute, man, I belong to, I'm going to heaven today. I could be going to heaven today. I'm go, eventually, I'm going to go to heaven. It's all good, Right? This, you know, bills are due. This is happening. This is going on. And God said, hey, yeah, I know, Tommy. It kind of stinks, but you know, you're going to heaven. I know, huh? Thank you, Lord. It's all good. That should put a smile on your face. We are citizens of heaven, the kingdom of God. We are a new family, and this, this new family heritage that is built on the foundation of truth. That's what it says right there in verse number 20. Look at verse number 20. Of chapter 2, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Christ, in other words, SG, we're built on all this, the, 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 the word of God, the truth of God, and it's Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. In other words, it's Christ Jesus that brings it together, man. It's Christ, and it's like when our focus is on Christ Jesus, you know, all together as, as just God's people. And our, our, we're just like, man, just checking out, you know, the, 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 the um, you know, church life around the world. But then we focus on it's all about Jesus. We're like, oh, man, Jesus brings it together. Amen. Jesus, it's all about what Jesus does. Together in Christ, we grow as one. Together in Christ, we grow as one. This is the prayer of Jesus. Jesus prayed this. 
In the Gospel of John, in chapter number 17, you don't have to turn there. You can if you like, but it's in chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. This is part of Jesus' prayer. Listen to how Jesus prays. He says, again, remember, Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, through the gospels, right? Through the teaching of the apostles. Verse 21, here it is. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's the prayer of Jesus. In other words, Jesus was praying, Lord, can they be one, like us, can they be one together and learn together all about me and the importance of sharing, of, of sharing this message in a world so that the world might believe. The purpose of God as seen here in Jesus' prayer, is that we, his church, us, we are his church. We belong to God, guys, right? We belong. I don't belong to Hope Alive. I belong to Jesus, amen? Thank God for that, right? We all, so we all belong to God. We are his people, his church, that, that we would be one and that the world, the purpose is so that the world would then believe, well, believe in what? Believe, believe in the Raiders? No. If you believe, man, I, I wish I could believe in the Raiders, but I can't. Oh, man, maybe two wins this season. I don't know. Believe in what? Believe in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants us to do together as his people to go out into our local communities that we would share in the world so that the world would then believe in the cross and the power of the cross and, and have, because there's tr the power of the cross is transformative. Can I get an amen? Well, because of what Jesus did, my life has been transformed. I'm no longer in prison. Amen. Thank you, God. You know what I mean? You want to hear something trippy? Is that, man, I have friends, good friends, that, that text me. The chief of police of Santa Ana, he texts me. The mayor, hey, Pastor Tommy, I just wanted to think about you. How you doing? I was like, man, the mayor's texting me. The chief of police and some commanders in the, you know, it's just crazy. City officials, if my, I tell my homeboys now, I still see them and, and they're like, hey, what are you doing, dog? Like, What's up with you? I was like, man, it's God, you know? And, you know, they, they used to question me, but now they know I'm all about Jesus. But I drive home from these things. I was like, man, only God can do something like that. Only God can transform people's lives. And here's, and the whole mission is so that we would go out together, guys, and share this message of hope. Believe in what? The power of the cross because it's the power of the cross that breaks the barrier of sin. Do we believe that? The power of the cross breaks the barrier of sin. And this is what Paul was talking about essentially here to the Ephesians, right? That, that barrier, those walls have been down. We are now one, one new humanity. Together, he says in verse 21 of chapter 2, 
in whom we hold, uh, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a body, temp, a holy temple, excuse me, a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And the purpose is so that we can then go out because we believe in the power of the cross. More importantly, not only does the power of the cross break the barrier of sin, but it also, the power of the cross brings together broken marriages. The power of the cross brings together broken marriages. Brings to, the power of the cross brings together broken homes. The power of the cross brings together broken people. The power of the cross brings together broken cities. Broken cities. And we see cities in our communities. Uh, guys, let me tell you something. We can watch TV all day long and on the news channels and we can be frustrated. It's like, oh, man, look at these crazy people here. This people, these people are doing that. We could. And I know Christians, that's what they do. They criticize. They get mad. Oh, they're evil. They, you know, they voted this way. Well, you know, whatever. We can all get mad. But God hasn't called us to get mad. He's called us to be built up in the scriptures together. Jesus' prayer is that they would be one. Learn about us. They would be one so that the world might believe. Let's not be, you know, we don't have to be criticized. We, the cities are broken. We have, we have the answer to go out and share this message of the gospel. The cross brings people together. To be in Christ. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Guys, I want to ask you right now. I don't know how this message may have resonated in your heart. Maybe for some it's just, you know, the, the, the new humanity that we are in Christ. Maybe it's more personal for you because maybe there's some brokenness that you've experienced and you know and you're hearing today, man, Jesus can fix those things that have been broken, broken and shattered in pieces. And what God does is see, sometimes we look at the train wreck of our own personal lives, those all those pieces that have been broken. And what we attempt to do sometimes is we try to we try to bring it together and we try to fix it. We can't. My encourage you is like, you know what? Surrender it to the Lord. Because when we surrender our broken pieces, our broken life, the, maybe even perhaps the train wreck of certain things in our lives that have been broken, and we give it to God, you know what God does with it? He makes something beautiful out of it. That's what his word tells us. He makes beauty from ashes. Even the shattered pieces of your life that you feel can never be fixed, God can mend it. Christ can bring it together all because of his love. Father, God, I thank you for I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your loving kindness, your grace and your mercy. And I pray, Father, that your word would always just resonate in us, Lord. May we stay hungry and thirsty for your truth in life. God, may we always remember what you have done. We can remember where we were, but Lord, may we never, never forget the but nows in Christ. But God, what you have done. 
speaking to us of your, your holiness, your graciousness. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, if there's anything that's been broken and separated, or maybe there's Maybe you feel alienated in some, some area of your own life, marginalized in some area of your own life. Or maybe you just, you know, you're in a place of emptiness and darkness for whatever reason. I want to encourage you, focus on what God's done because God can bring that together for you. Not just to make sense, but to bring it together for you to really reveal to you a purpose that he has for you in, in your life. Father, we love you. We pray for the Holy Spirit, Lord, to fall down now, minister to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen.